Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. And today we're going to talk about a really cool show that I kept pestering you to watch, didn't I? <laughs> I know. It's yeah, funny, I when, like... I, when I finally watched it, Unorthodox is the name of the show, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, when I finally got around to watching it, I, my first thought was, why didn't Celine tell me about this before? Before? What do you mean? <laughs> well, I watched it and then I immediately sent it to you while I was still watching it even. Yeah, I know. Mm. And I was very, very tardy in um, in doing that. But it was, yeah, definitely, definitely worth it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I know it came out actually in 2020, right. but... Um, it seems like people have been more talking about it mm. recently, like it's been coming up in like my suggested and stuff. So I don't know if um, yeah, I'd seen it pop up, but I just yeah. I just hadn't really um, clicked on it. Yeah, exactly. But mm. yeah, it was but it's um, really good. good. Mm. Mm. So good. just for um, for people that haven't seen it, this is going to be quite spoilery because we're talking yeah. about particular scenes because it is about like a very closed community. Mm. So we thought it'd be an interesting topic for our podcast for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but so if you haven't seen it and you don't mind spoilers, then feel free. Mm. Um, but if you want to watch it without spoilers, watch it. It's only four episodes and then come back, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I imagine absolutely. quite a few people will have seen it. Anyway, if you listen to our podcast, the Venn diagram of people that would watch Unorthodox <laughs> and listen to our podcast, I think, is quite... There's a big overlap, big sense yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's right. Um, uh, actually, before... Uh, obviously, we're recording this um, on Monday the 23rd, um, just as a matter of interest, but I will put a tweet out there to say we're going to be reviewing this. So by the time you hear it, um, if you follow us on Twitter, you, you should have been... Pre-warned uh, so you can do your homework. <laughs> exactly. If you do your homework, the recommended reading, exactly. the recommended watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not. Welcome it's to not the sure. seminar. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's crack on then. So you were going to highlight mm-hmm. some scenes that you thought were particularly yeah. interesting. Should Should we just mm-hmm. give a quick praise of the actual? Yeah, story? I think so. So I mean, it's basically you jump straight in at the. It's it's there's no bag. I would say it's not baggy at all. You get straight mm. into it. So. Um, it's a woman who has been in an arranged marriage. It's not going well. Um, she's unhappy. The community is very um, suffocating for her personally. So she so just, sorry chooses to, to escape. Mm. Just just to um, make the point that the community is the Satmar Hasidic um, Jewish community mm-hmm. based in a place in New York called Williamsburg Williamsburg that's it so she is in this ultra orthodox community Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. carry on sorry yeah and um, 
you know, she's been match made with this guy and, yeah. um, you know, she was happy to, it's not like she didn't want to do that at the time in, in the sense that that's all she knew, but then yeah. she comes to be very unhappy and she needs to leave. So she escapes, um, and goes to Berlin and you kind of follow her story there with the people kind of trying to get her back. And that's right. Um, and that's yeah. kind of the main yeah. center point of it. That's right. So we um, we we get to watch her her fleeing um, this community, going to Berlin, and and then we we start to see her grow, don't we? And um, mm-hmm. come to terms with the modern world yeah. a little bit, and she meets friends, and uh, and also there's a secondary story which is is that of the the husband and his cousin, I cousin, think, yeah, um, who are essentially trying to find her and bring her back. So there's mm-hmm. that. We, we know that this is going to Yeah, because it come turns out she's point. pregnant as well. That's so right. they really want to get her back because mm. of that. That's kind of like puts even more pressure and impetus to bring her back. Indeed. Yeah. So that's the story. Mm. Um, obviously, there's mm-hmm. a lot to it. It's four episodes of about, how long are they? An hour? I'd say they're around an hour each, mm. yeah. So the author is a woman that, um, it's a memoir. So it's based on her uh, story of leaving. Um she uh, was pregnant and she didn't want to raise her child in that community so I think she was already feeling unhappy and then the idea of yeah having to raise another child in a situation that she didn't like herself sort of pushed her to leave and she gets help to leave and so on yeah so they um so unorthodox isn't a uh, so that the the Netflix show isn't a complete copy if you like no. of the uh, the, the sort of first half like the way yeah. the, the the way she choosing to leave is kind of based on the book but the sort of music um path that she takes and um yes, the kind the, of the af- yeah. the after cult life situation yeah. is um fictionalized for the purposes yeah. of this show that's right uh, so they didn't want to just carbon copy of the book really that's right so deborah feldman's 2012 autobiography unorthodox the scandalous rejection of my hasidic roots so that was the book and and then mm-hmm. they've kind of used that as inspiration i think they've um deborah feldman is also been a consultant on on the show so she's very mm-hmm. heavily involved in it and there is actually a making of. I don't know whether you saw yes. that. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great one good. to watch as well because yeah, you get really to enjoyable. hear Deborah Feldman's opinions about it and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what about some scenes then that you thought were really important? So, um, the first one that I link that I sort of thought that's really important is um, the scene with the uh, mikveh. But so that is the sort of. Um, ritual spiritual bath that they take to sort of um yeah it's meant to be like spiritually cleansing um and it's meant to be sort of you know listening to in preparation for this some other um like jewish youtubers saying that obviously you're seeing it through esty the main character's eyes and it is sort of difficult for her and almost she almost seems traumatized like the look in her face and so on but it's not necessarily meant to be it's meant to be um, you know, a good experience, but obviously for Esty in this already very suffocating environment, it's just another thing on top of, you know, this yeah. sort of situation she's in. And the reason I wanted to highlight that is because um, I think when she actually experiences 
what the um, people I was listening to speaking about mikvah as a spiritual and happy mm. and good experience, I would say she has when she goes to the sea. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. And she's, you know, she, yeah, she does dive underneath the water. Like, you know, she puts mm. her whole body underneath like they do in the mikvah and she, um, she looks at peace and she looks spiritual in the way mm. that I think the mikvah was meant to be, but because of everything that was already going on in this sort of, yeah, very pressurized, closed community, she wasn't having a mm. spiritual experience with it. It was very like, and here's the next thing to do. Cause you yeah, have to do. Right. Um, and it yeah. was interesting, you know, cause the, the place that she has a quote unquote more spiritual experience in my opinion is the place that you know would be like the land of all evil because whenever they find out she's gone to germany they're like why germany this place of evil and badness mm. you know because obviously there's trauma there for this community because the reason williamsburg exists is a reaction to the holocaust they they left and created this new community mm. um there but yes but that's the place where she finally feels free and liberated and she she does look spiritual in that moment yeah that's right um yeah so there's there's been um i guess a little bit of criticism about that scene from um the the hasidic community because mm-hmm. um again people like you said people that have experienced that and enjoyed that experience um it's a ritual i think one of the things that comes out in the in the show is that you know there's so many of these rituals um, they have meaning, and they. Um, I'd like to talk a bit in a bit more detail about the impulse towards ritual, given the history of that uh, of that group, mm-hmm. um, which we hear at various points in the in the four episodes. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a ritual there, but as you say, she it's not a ritual she she feels really part of, and and. Um, the experience is is one. I mean, it reminds you a little bit of a baptismal pool for Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. XJWs listening to this, I know many of our listeners are, or even ex Mormons listening to this. That this the concept of going into a kind of baptismal pool is quite you know we we, we recognise that and it's very similar, but it's a very personal thing. So she she does it just with this uh, woman there who's there to make sure mm-hmm. she does it correctly. Um, but it's very austere. It's very kind of, yeah, as you say, it's just a perfunctory act. Whereas when she goes into the sea there, takes off her wig and, um, she's, yeah, she's completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, I I think that's very, a very telling scene Mm. or two scenes, really the, the juxtaposition between those two are, clearly you know it's not an accident that's that's very important to yeah. explain well, they're both her in that journey. first episode aren't they yeah so I think, you know well second episode i think yeah. or is it the second yeah, yeah it's easy to sort of draw the co- the comparisons there yeah. yeah that was the main i just straight away i was like oh yeah, mm. yeah she's finally because there's talk of like of god outside of williamsburg you know that it's it's um and sort of connecting with with God in a way that isn't Williamsburg's way because it's very heightened. You know, her mother being like, "Oh, you own God as well." Do you want to do you want to talk about another scene? Yeah. Um. So, I'm kind of going uh, chronologically by mm. scenes that I found yep. interesting. Um. The next one, 
that I found interesting was um, so the relationship between the grandmother and Esty's mm. mother. So obviously that'll be um, Leah is her mother. Mm. It's um, she marries into that family and um, she comes around, you know, and she brings the paperwork to say, mm. if you ever need somewhere to go, this yeah. is the paperwork to show you have German citizenship or you could have German citizenship. Mm. Um, and, you know, her mother, uh, her the, the grandmother says, you have to talk to her on your own to Esty. Um, she goes to the kitchen and, and Leah kind of looks at her and is like, you know, in a way of saying thank you. And she mm. nods at her. And mm. I found that interesting because. This is babby, all, isn't it? Yeah, her, her babby, her grandmother. She's yeah. meant to like sort of, you'd think that she would hate her because she's this mm. outsider and not leave um, Esty alone with her because mm. what could be going on there? And the reason I noted that more on a second viewing was because um the grandmother when uh they're talking about Esty and what's happening she reflects on the treatment mm. of her mother and says i think we didn't treat her well i think we mm. should have been better to her, to her yeah. we should have been mm. nicer to her we should have helped her more mm-hmm. um and you know i think those two scenes i wouldn't after seeing it once because you see her mm. kind of nod at leah um mm. earlier you kind of forget about it but what looking at it again i was like i wonder if she was already on that journey of feeling a bit bad or if she always felt bad i don't know for the treatment of this yeah. quote unquote, outsider yeah do you know what i mean or if she always I, I felt think... guilty for her leaving because she lets her have that moment with her daughter that she could have easily refused that's right and yet we also find out that um well, Babby's a really interesting character. She is. So, um, perhaps in many ways, the most interesting character because I think we don't know, we don't know what's going on inside her um, in terms of her rational, or rationale for why she's doing things. But we we do learn that she's also, I guess, poisoned um, Esty um, about her mother. Yeah. Um, but you you'd expect that her her other daughter had something to do with that. So this. The um, her aunt, um, Esty's aunt, is, um, is a real piece of work. Isn't strong, she? more strongly against her. Yeah, um, that's her, right. So, really, so you can imagine her having quite a lot to do with that. But mm. yeah, Bobby's quite interesting. She um, first of all, we we note that she's listening to music. She's actually listening to a woman singing, which is actually against the Hasidic yeah. practices, or at least that that group. Um, so a woman shouldn't be singing on her own. Um, it's not permitted. Mm-hmm. But she sat there listening to this music when Esty comes in in one of the scenes. I think it's mm-hmm. it's either in episode one or two. I think it's right at the beginning. Yeah, and um, and we so we learn something about Babby there that she's not you know she's she's willing to kind of bend the rules a bit herself really. Um, she's connecting more there spiritually again. It's something she's doing mm-hmm. that she shouldn't be doing, but she's connecting. That's right. She's remembering yeah. her like her loved ones. Do you know what I mean? That's right. And she's That's feeling right. very connected there, so she's willing to do that because she thinks it's right, even though yeah, technically and... it's not again. It's against the rules. That's right. But I, and I also think there's a there's something that the the show is telling us there about the reason for these. So this links to what I was saying before. Mm-hmm. There's something here about the reason for all these 
ceremonies and and things that people have to do and it's all to do with the the persecution that they've endured the horror that they endured the fact that they had to uproot and and come to a different country and and set up a uh, a way of life amongst people that are not like them and mm. in a religious setting that is alien um and actually this is core to the whole religious experience of this group um at the end of well i think at the beginning of episode 4 i don't know whether you you noted that whether that's in your list it at first glance it feels just a bit of a little bit of um i going to i don't know um you know atmospheric stuff but there's a, a little song that the i think it's the grandfather sings and then he talks mm. about the lessons of, yes, of the exactly. ongoing suffering it's, it's the worldly people are bad conversation well yeah and it's actually i did a bit of research into into this group and mm-hmm. um they are anti-zionist and they are yeah because totally... yeah they do that in the you know when they go when moisha yes right they, they say that they're um from israel and he's that's like right. really mad about that because he's, he's like and he spits. calls them zion yeah and he calls that's them right. zionists that's right yeah and you unless you unless you're looking carefully you perhaps don't notice that and actually that mm-hmm. reflects the group because they believe that um the whole zionist enterprise and learning languages of, of gentiles and being with um, their friends and so on, that actually God has punished them for that, which is why they endured um, the Holocaust and other um, terrible persecution yeah. is because they've they've drawn away from God. So that's, that's the rationale behind this, um, fencing themselves off from the rest of the world, um, which obviously yeah. as, a, as an ex-Jehovah's Witness, obviously for completely different reasons, I guess, although perhaps quite similar reasons, um, there seems so many parallels there to the way that we were taught to be no part of the world, to be separate from the world, to stay separate, mm-hmm. and and the focus on on the, the persecution and the struggle and so on. I thought that that was, although it was a completely alien setting for me, mm-hmm. um, I recognised the mentality does that make mm. sense? Yeah, the rituals were different, but yeah. the things that were happening and the reasons they were happening were like, I was yeah. like, well, that's why I kept telling you to watch it. I know. <laughs> because I was like, yeah, it, they're speaking a different language and they're doing things differently. But the the reasoning and the mentality is the same. <laughs> The What Should I Think About podcast has been going now since around November 2020 and we've really enjoyed doing it. We release at least two shows a week, it's about eight a month of course, with Sunday being an interview and Wednesday being our discussion about a new subject each week. We love you our listeners and we really value the interaction we have with you and we want to keep the podcast going. Currently I pretty much work on the podcast full time researching topics booking guests recording and editing with Celine working part-time doing very much the same things so in order for us to keep going and continue to improve we've reached that point in the life of a podcast where we have to make some decisions about how we support it financially most podcasts have ads either that are delivered by the podcast hosts or from third parties that interrupt the show we really don't want to do that 
we want to keep the What Should I Think About podcast ad-free. So we're going to try something different to most podcasts. We'd like to ask you if you think this podcast is worth a pound or a dollar fifty or a euro twenty a month or whatever the equivalent is in your own currency. If you think it's worth that, we'd like to invite you to become a member or a patron for just that. So how we're doing it is we're flattening out our tiers on Patreon to just our single lowest tier. For those patrons, not only will you get the two public podcasts a week, but you'll also get exclusive video each month, bonus content of at least one a month and probably more, and exclusive access to the What Should I Think About Facebook private group, where you can contribute to our Ask Us Anything episodes coming up soon and talk about the show. We've got other plans too that will make your pound or dollar fifty even better value we can't say too much about that yet. We really want to make access to this community possible to everyone and we think this minimal amount will do that while providing the show with a small income in order for us to keep going. So the next few weeks we'll be flattening out our tiers on Patreon and providing all benefits through the lowest tier currently known as loss aversion for just a pound or its equivalent in your own currency. So please consider being part of our community. Thank you. The link to our Patreon page can be found in the show notes. Because even even I, as someone that didn't really go to the meetings that much, as a you know, I went to a few um, before we fully were like not going, and then um, you know went to a few with relatives and so on, but. Yeah. I, I even I remember them talking a lot about um they they did talk still talk a lot about the Holocaust and the purple triangle thing because mm, obviously right. so that because it's still yeah for sorry. those mm-hmm. sorry for those listeners who are not ex Jehovah's Witnesses you might not be aware but um Jehovah's Witnesses were also persecuted in Nazi Germany and where mm-hmm. the Jews had a uh, a yellow star um that they had to wear. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses had a purple triangle mm-hmm. um, and obviously because the numbers are much smaller it, it's not as well known but they were one of the groups that were specifically targeted by the Nazis mm-hmm. so um, like I said I know that with these groups that is brought up constantly mm. and that's why they need to have lots of children because they're as she says to with that the doctor repopula- right. yeah, they're, yeah. We're repopulating the, um, yeah. the lost so obviously you know, it's even more in that community. But yeah, right. I, I did notice those comparable moments and think, mm. yeah, you, you, that's what another reason I thought you should watch this. Um, Absolutely, this is a the Satmar. I don't know if we said it, it's the Satmar. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so faction, they're originally like. from Hungary. Hungary, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, they're sort of Rabbi came here and, and uh, not here came to um, Williamsburg and that's right began from that mm. um before we move on from the grandmother the uh the babby um yeah um I, there was another scene that i was just like i know which one you're gonna say yeah it hurts so much <laughs> is not it when, oh it's hard mm. when esty calls home oh, it's making my eyes water i know me too mm. <laughs> should we take a moment <laughs> yeah no it's um well, when she yeah, calls home and she doesn't mm. she doesn't say anything but she's crying yeah. and i'm like 
But then my question on second view, a second viewing, thinking about Babby as a more complex person, yeah. my question is, is she shunning her or is she doing it so she doesn't come home? That's that's exactly my question, actually. That is exactly my and I don't know. That's I think that's that's exactly what went through my mind. My first thought was shunning. Um and that's the obvious answer. Mm-hmm. But then as you say, there's something about Babby that that might make There's you more think, to her. Yeah. do you know, does she know, she she raised her, essentially, mm-hmm. she raised Esty, so yeah. she knows that Esty is not happy, um, and there's an element there that makes you think, maybe, whether, Babby will probably want her to come back, but maybe she wants her to make her own mind up about that, and have that experience, and then decide what she wants to do. That Obviously, that's a, um, a charitable um, way well, of reading that scene, but it, I think it's, but it's legitimate. I think so because literally the next scene is her just looking shell shocked, to be mm. honest, at a table and saying we should have been nicer to her mum. And I'm thinking, yeah. like, mm. what does that mean? How does that connect to this? Doesn't look like a woman um, shunning, but then, however, we know that people that shun because witnesses do it. Mm are devastated like we said it's like they're going through grief and they Absolutely. are bereaved so she could be shunning her and she this could. could just be the absolute mm. just mortification of a woman shunning someone she loves Absolutely. that's the other side of it and it, it reminded me i don't know whether you've seen the video it is actually a jehovah's witness video of the young woman it's like a drama you know how they used to have dramas at the assembly well they do it on mm-hmm. film now um and there's one particular one about disfellowshipping. And it's a young woman who has, I think she's um, she slept with somebody, um, two consenting adults, but she's a young woman. and um, But she's not allowed to, to have anything to do with her mum and dad anymore. Um, and she's now pretty isolated. You know, even as a young woman, um, I, I think if you can, it's still good to have some contact with your parents and you need them mm-hmm. from time to time. And she's absolutely devastated and she rings her mum and dad and that this is the drama. So this isn't, you know, enemies of Jehovah's Witnesses. This is actually them themselves. They mm-hmm. see her caller ID on the phone and uh, the dad's there reading a paper and he's literally ignoring it. And the mum is seeing it, she's cooking and she's ignoring it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just reminded me of that scene. So yeah, yeah. either way, it has um real weight i think that um and it comes after a, a bit of a brutal um awakening for sd around her yeah her, her ability to get to where she wants to in her mm-hmm. musical career uh, which i'd like to talk about um separately yeah. but she's you know you just feel completely gutted for this woman awful, who i mean i said to you i, I text you after 20 minutes of watching it and i said like i'm in love with this poor girl already you know she mm-hmm. you just want to help her don't you she's just mm-hmm. such a, a fantastic character brilliantly played uh, mm-hmm. by the actor we really ought to um credit the actors um shira haas plays esther shapiro i mean that is just a fantastic uh, performance and yeah mm-hmm. you're just gutted for her um, and then she gets that, you know, she, her, the, the person that was closest to her that is there to help her, um, basically yeah. just puts the phone. Heartbreaking. Mm, Heartbreaking. Totally. Yeah. So I had to bring up that. Um, so those are my sort of like Barbie scenes cause they had mm. to be said and they all yeah. link together, I think. Um, 
so it can't talk about one without the other to understand her, I think. Yeah, Babby is played by um, Dina Doron, um, mm-hmm. if you're interested. Yeah. Okay. And then next one I've got on my little list of ones that I think are important was the dinner party scene. So it, technically, mm. chronologically, that comes just before she calls her Babby. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I'm trying to keep them in mm. sort of ways that we can move through the story. So uh, the dinner party, so she goes to, you know, they're students. She goes to a student yeah. dinner party. And um, it's when I think for the first time she speaks very candidly about mm. why she's here. Do you know what I mean? Like why mm. she's left. Um, and I think that potentially um, for all of our ex insert religious movement here, mm-hmm. um, you know, listeners, mm. you can understand this conversation, this dinner yeah. party conversation yeah. where they say, you know, why do you leave? And someone's there being like, maybe leave them alone. People being interested, you know, mm. it's, well, I what, think it's very, it is very interesting. But I think what's um, even more interesting about that conversation is um, the, the, the young woman called Yale, who's mm-hmm. um, also Jewish, but obviously not from, um, from uh, that Israel. community. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, she says something about, have you escaped? She says, yeah, I wrote it down. I said, so she says, you escaped, didn't you? And Mm. Esty says, you make it sound like I was in prison. She says, weren't you? And Mm. then there's a bit more back and forth. And she says, well, God expected too much of me. And now I need to find my own path. Mm. And that's what kind of closes that section um, of discussion. But yeah, you make it sound like I was in prison. And that's when I wrote down, um, I'm sure you've all heard our wonderful conversation with mm. um, with um, our PMO guest um, uh, with his pseudonym, which is Jeffrey Wallace. That's right. um, but you know, um, mm. captive organization. Yeah. You know, you're not. You know, you can leave whenever you want, but not really. Um, well, you can, but you'll have to lose everything. <laughs> Exactly. So it's that it's that conversation yeah. again. Mm. So this is what I mean by yeah, it's a different group, it's a different religion, it's a different mm. set of situations, but a lot of it's the same. So it's you escaped, didn't you? And it's like I wasn't in prison, but that's right. But but you know when when th- she then carries on talking, um, she she says I forget I didn't I wrote exactly down what you wrote. So mm. That's amazing. But um, she says something like. I left without telling anybody where I was going. And, yes. You know, so basically, yeah, I did escape, but she doesn't want to say that. And I think that's the other thing that's mm-hmm. important about this scene. Like you said, anybody that's an ex of any sort will recognize what that's like because she still has a certain loyalty to her community. And mm-hmm. this is the tragedy. This is another heartbreaking tragedy of these situations because um, SD still feels connected to this community. Just like when you leave Jehovah's Witnesses, especially in the early days, you still feel connected to that community. And there's a lot about it that you still identify with and and love even, I would suggest. And you're forced to give all of that up. Um, And that seems such a shame. You know, when, Mm -hmm. when part of the whole um, rationale for this community is to maintain it and to keep the traditions going and so on and so on. Um, to have an either everything or nothing mentality means that it's a very fragile situation. And, you know, for, for 
for SD, some contact, some um, closeness, but not smothering closeness with that community would, in my view, help yeah. progress it. Yeah, well, because she feels, you know, it's like um, in regards to, just as an example, in regards to her you know, sexual relationship with her husband. She's like, mm. everybody's in bed with us because, you know, yeah. everybody is because he's mm. telling everybody and discussing it like a problem. And, you know, yeah, it's the degree of smothering <laughs> is, is yeah up there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's and it's interesting that phrase, you know, um, when we had um, Jill on the podcast, she, she kind of used the same phrase that, you know, the elders get into bed with you essentially because they... They will determine the sexual practices that are not um, allowed. That are and aren't, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, um, she has that conversation yeah. with that woman that says, the man does this and the woman does yeah. this and so on and so on. That was pretty so, excruciating, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it's the infantilization again, as we mm. often discuss as well, because she's like, like puzzle pieces. Yeah. It's like, oh, joy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very infantilized. And the fact that she's 18 getting married and she mm. has to have yeah. the talk at that point, she has no idea. You know, she tells her to go find, um, as she describes it, the hole. Yeah, exactly. You know, because they're puzzle pieces. You know, it's all mm. um, terribly infantilized. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, another thing from, um, oh yeah, yeah, oh, a good scene to discuss as well is um, the lanky, lanky, Yankee and Leah scene. Um, so mm. Leah being her mother and Yankee, her husband, speak one-to-one. So he goes to the um, care home that she works That's at, right. which is yep. a Yiddish-speaking care home. Like, you can mm. see they've got, um, you know, like the star in places, you know, so mm. it's obviously a sort of Jewish care home. Um, and to me, Leah is a perfect example of someone who has problems, goes to the elders to seek help, they do nothing, she chooses mm. to leave because she has to for her mm. own sake. And then she pays the, pi- pays the price of that by shunning. Mm. So yep. you could say that story and then anyone from any different Absolutely. insert religious group here yep. would be like, oh yeah, that's mine then. You yep. know, they just be like, oh, it's, you know how yep. there's like, there's yep. so many stories and they're all mm. like, uh, there's only so many original stories and they're all mm. um identifiable so everyone mm. can insert themselves it's like if you're an ex of some sort then this is high control easily... i would say so yeah, yeah let's, high let's control di- let's differentiate yeah. then between you can insert, hmm. yes then you can insert yourself into that or you can be like oh hmm. i know someone so this is you know for leah it's about leaving this particular community but yeah. again I can eat. We've had guests on the podcast basically Absolutely. tell this story. Well, so. you know, so far we've spoken to an ex Mormon, we've spoken to an ex Mooney. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've talked to lots of ex Jehovah's Witnesses. And yeah, the, this, the sorts of tales, the sorts of experiences are uncannily similar. I mean, the other thing that's, yeah. that's similar about this is, you know, um, I forget, I forget him. Oh, yes, because he says, um, Yankee says to her, I thought you didn't speak Yiddish. And she says, well, I speak well enough to work here. What else can I do? You know, no yeah, qualifications, no education, note. no skills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's exactly what I'd wrote. Mm. No education, no skills. That's what she says. And I was yeah. thinking to myself at that point, I was like, I've never thought about this. But how many, so we always think, say what the male witnesses do, window cleaning. Um, 
like there's loads of them that do that but mm. i mean so many of the female witnesses in or x are um carers and i'm yeah. sure lots of them do care and they want to be carers but i mean for example mum was a carer mm. because that was something that she could do with the qualifications mm. you know she yeah. had um, absolutely i think again it's another oh why are you being a carer because that's something that you can do with the skills mm. that you're left with once you've mm. been controlled um yeah. to that degree all you've got is a certain set of stuff to yeah. go out into the worldly world um, and it's a double whammy isn't it because it wouldn't mm-hmm. be so bad if those skills that that they that the the women who leave these organizations had could earn them you know a good living and and so on um, oh, but yeah, unfortunately but no. these are society also gangs up um mm-hmm. to to make these jobs poorly paid and um mm-hmm. regardless of whether they should be or not that's that's the, the that's reality the situation yeah. yeah so you've got it's quite interesting i don't know whether you made this mistake but when um when sd uh goes into the church mm-hmm. and this is before we've we've had the scene with the mother in the care home so sd goes into the church here's the music i think it's that same music isn't it that mm-hmm. um that her, mm-hmm. her Abby was listening to and so it's that same piece and she observes a choir Mm-hmm. and the conductor of the choir from the back i thought that was her mother um, um it's i didn't not. make that no okay I so I, I don't know whether they did that on purpose but it wasn't and so a part of me thought you know she's made a success of a life and she's you know doing something that mm. that you know of course um sd would absolutely love because she's very musical and so on so. um but then actually very quickly you see that and again, there's nothing wrong with working in a care home, but it just felt like mm. um, that was the reality. And I, mm-hmm. I think there were a couple of reality checks for us in this Yes, um, they do that series. a lot. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing I'd like to say about the yeah. scene between Leah and Yankee, where yeah. he's like, don't you miss anything? And she's like, yes. I miss plenty, but I thank, every, I thank God every day for my freedom. Mm. Um, I thought that was very important because I think, like we said, apostates of whatever variety uh considered like they're hateful and they they're enjoying it and cackling and like do you know what i mean mm. like yeah but yeah you know she's like i miss plenty mm. you know like when she's watching her daughter's wedding she's smiling you know yeah absolutely she, she's you know yeah. but she's standing further away but you know you miss things but mm. like she said she's free at least mm. um you yeah. know um, and she also says the line that I thought was just important to highlight so much damage done in Brooklyn in the name of God, all the, all the um, rules, all the gossip. Mm. Again, very important because mm. you could insert, yeah. you know, you could just take away the line Brooklyn, just so much damage done in mm. wherever in the yeah. name of God, all the rules, all the gossip, you know. Yeah, and I think the gossip is quite an interesting one because mm. um, that actually is – Perhaps the first thing, if not gossip, but interference um, mm. and smothering the smothering nature of that community. Um, and again, it's not the only one that does this, but you you, you see Esty, and yeah, she's actually trying to uh, she's trying to run away. She's trying to get out. So there's a heightened sense that you know, just leave me alone. You know, but well, yeah, she's everywhere no she goes. Leave, yeah. Everywhere mm. she goes, you know, what are you doing? Where are you going? You know, why have mm-hmm. you done that? Why have you done this? And and it's like 
you, you get this sense that this poor woman is being completely smothered by mm. this community that is just completely a bubble, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I thought that's that was kind of the almost the very first thing that you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these slightly older women with babies yeah. um, trying to mother her, I suppose, in some respects, but it must be very, very smothering. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose, yeah, the next thing we've kind of touched on already, but yeah, this the worldly people are a bad thing kind of situation again so using this idea of integrating with worldly people lead to god being angry with you so you've got to stay within just your people um and and then extending onto that you know esti and moisha his cousin that's come after her um have this conversation about um him saying you're going to be isolated you're going to be alone um you know he's trying to convince her that she's literally going to want to die before because of how isolated she is and the thing that's sad with that is that that's not true like in terms of she won't be isolated and alone because of anything other than if they're shunning her but she will find new people she will as she has already started to do you know what i mean with her friends and she's shortly after that reconnecting with her mother but i thought it's important to highlight he's being that sort of almost evil character discussing that when, you know, there are actually circumstances where people do um, die because of shunning because they, you know, with the witnesses we've discussed before, it's such a high amount of people. I mean, we don't have the figures, but we hear about it a lot with people, um, you know, taking their own lives. Don't you think that part of that, though, is actually i mean i agree with everything he said but it's him isn't it it's because it's how he he, feels he wasn't able to build a life for himself outside so he's Mm -hmm. quite an interesting character i mean he's a necessary character for the plot because he's kind Mm -hmm. of you know he's the he's the the evil character but he's not really complicated they don't just treat him with um, like no character in that is good or bad they're Mm. all just complicated yeah given everyone they're given a lot of grace and consideration to making sure yeah. everyone is full of shades of gray and, and, and you, you you can see that he's felt um that he was trapped and he had nowhere else to go so he he throws his lots back in with the community mm-hmm. um but he he's worldly wise he knows he knows what's and we, you get to know quite a lot about what he's been up to um last time mm-hmm. he was in berlin um but um but yeah he's so i think i think he's reflecting his own feelings there on her i mean i i found the scene with the gun um that's the only scene that i kind of i didn't like at first i found a bit mm. melodramatic but i i understand why it was done it was it's a device that allows you to think about that choice and um yeah i i i think it's justified Although mm-hmm. not realistic, I think, in, in reality, but I think mm-hmm. it's justified because it is a symbol for that real, um, like you've said, you know, that, that real um, struggle that can, for some people, lead mm-hmm. to taking their own life, which is something that happens tragically because of that um, that lack of opportunities when you leave these groups to build a new uh, social circle for yourself i think most people do and that's the wonderful thing 
um, mm-hmm. but it it's not always easy. Yeah, I think it's important to reflect on that, and um, and I'm glad that I guess there was a nod to that, but that it's not the whole point of the show. The mm. whole point is her, yeah, sort of absolutely taking that freedom because that's the yeah. main thing that we always want to focus on. This show is that it's so it it can it is hard, but it's so great to leave. Yeah, and and you're full of that admiration for this woman whose freedom mm-hmm. is really hard won. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'll, that's that's all I'll say mm-hmm. about that at the moment. Uh, are there yeah. any more scenes that you want to? Um... Um, I like the scene with her and her mother when she goes to speak mm. to her and she says, um, you know, her mother brings up Moisha. She's like, has Moisha followed you? And she's like, you know, you know Moisha? And she says, there's always Moishas. They hmm. will do anything, say anything to make, to make you believe you won't survive in the outside world. Mm. And at that point, Esty's not told her anything of the mm. conversation she had with Moisha. Yeah. But her mum knows exactly what Moisha has said to her yeah. because it's happened to her. And like I said, it's not a unique situation as much. It, when it's happening to you, you feel like, you know, this has never happened to anyone else. It's the worst thing. You're just completely, mm. you know, blindsided by mm. everything. But it does unfortunately happen to other people in other situations, in other high control groups. And mm. her mother knows exactly what's happening. There's, yeah. there's lots of moishas. And I, I think that's that's the writer's... Um that's their message i think to mm-hmm. to people in in that similar situation yeah you know you'll always have people like that but it doesn't mean you can't prevail you know mm-hmm. um there's another scene that i thought was quite an interesting one um that i think the first time her mother and moisha meet mm-hmm. um he tries to force his way in to the apartment where they're living and she says something like you know you can't you can't, um, I don't think she uses the word bully, but uh, intimidate or something. You can't bully mm. me. This is not your world. Yeah. Words that effect. This isn't and, Williamsburg, yeah. Yeah, this is not your world. I thought that's quite an interesting way of putting it. So They say you know, that a few times. This yeah. is, you could have lived in our world. Yeah, they're, they're two something worlds. something that Yankee says to Leah. That's true, yeah. Mm. They're, they're both aware, both sides are aware that they're living in different worlds. That's right. It's almost like there's a there's a book that I read um, a few years ago called The City and the City, um, yeah. which it's almost like that. And the the, the uh, idea behind the book is that, you know, there's these two groups that live in the same space, um, but um, you, you can't interact with the other because there's this kind of... Um, separation between mm. them and it, um i won't spoil that book for you because it's, it's if you're interested in that it's a really but that is a metaphor for a lot of the separations that we see in society so these you've got these two worlds that inhabit the same space um and eventually they don't even see each other um they don't interact they don't see each other which i thought was yeah that was mm. kind of interesting way of putting here? it mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think another scene that would be important to consider before we, because we're getting close to our to our hour, but um, another one that would be interesting um, with your thoughts is the final Esty and Yankee scene. Hmm. It's quite heartbreaking. It is. Um, you know, they're they're a relationship that doesn't make it on the other side of cult life. So we've yeah. talked about relationships hmm. that, you know, if you're in one during your cult life if you leave um you may or may not make it out the other side with your 
partner because yeah. you know you you might just not be suited to each other in the other world that you come out on the other side of this is it yeah i mean the attrition rate i don't again we don't have the data for that but i would guess it's quite high for people mm-hmm. leaving um i think it, it does cause a lot of marriage breakups unfortunately mm-hmm. um but yeah for for that couple yeah it's um it's and, and you kind of yeah and and the, the sad thing is is that you kind of there's nothing really wrong with that poor lad, you know, Yankee. He seems no, like so, actually quite a nice guy. He is. He's so young and naive mm, and yeah. I just want him to, you almost mm. hope, but this isn't his story, so it's not going right. to be that, but you almost hope that he will, Yeah. during his, you know, desperate attempts to get Esty back, will realise that actually he should do what Esty mm. is doing and leave. Yeah. You kind of, you know, but... Ultimately, I mean, these have got to be personal choices and, mm. you know, people have got to do what makes them happy. If he's happier there, then fair enough. Do you know what I mean? If the life he's living makes him happy. But, you know, might he be happier if, you know, mm. he could, you know, have a deep connection with his partner in, mm. in, you know, like when he's he tries to kiss her for, I don't know, is it the first time they've ever, he's ever tried to kiss her in the gentle kind of passionate way? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like they're both so confused about it, and um, yeah, there's, there's a there's something I, I I would like to talk about that if we can come back to that because mm-hmm. um, there's a um, there's some criticism about the show around that area that I'd like okay. to come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else? Any other scenes that you think? So I those, totally agree with you on that one. Yeah, those are kind of my scenes that I picked out going through. Um, and thought that should be spoken about. So, I mean, if you want to talk about maybe those criticisms or um, anything yeah. that that was leading you to there. Yeah, I suppose um, a couple of things that, that might be worth talking about. The LGBTQ um, side of it is obviously important. So Yes, because um, there is a set of, you know, there's the two characters that are yeah. um, gay and in a relationship together. Um, yeah. They obviously, when they're trying to, I guess make light because it's happened and there's nothing you can do about it. The, the, the Holocaust situation in the car on the way to the beach, they're like, Oh yeah, we'll go look at the Jewish Memorial and then we'll go to the, across the road and we'll go see the, um, the gay Memorial. Yeah. So you talk about the friends. Say. Yeah. So you yeah, talk about the friends yeah. Um, relationship. Yeah. Well, there's, so there's mm-hmm. that relationship and there's also a mother's obviously. Yes. Cause uh, she's, with her um, girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Or a partner. I don't, I don't know. Um, and, um, and obviously that's, that is, clear that that is completely um not allowed yeah because at first when sd sees her mother kiss her partner when she mm, comes back of ice cream because she was waiting for her yeah. and she sees that and she bolts but that's then right. by the end she's you know obviously she spent time with people and she likes her friends and she's seen it and she's like eh. yeah absolutely. she didn't even question it she stays there it's fine you know yeah so um so i suppose uh, let, let's talk about um a couple of these criticisms so uh, when I was looking up some of the practices, because I wanted to understand a little bit about some of the practices and reasons for mm-hmm. them, um, which was quite an interesting journey. Yes, um, of course, they did have people on set so that were meant to be, so they had someone yes. that was meant to be helping with the Yiddish and also like helping with the cultural practices, especially the wedding. I think there was a lot That's, to do there and yes. make sure that it was doing with, done with respect and properly and 
so on. So they, they were obviously concerned with this, but ultimately there's always going to be criticism because it isn't, you know, a shining story of this particular community, is it? In exactly. Situation, um, so. But I think it's important to talk about because um, this is the mm-hmm. sort of thing that any closed group, if you speak out against it, you find yourself at the end of, of some of this criticism and, mm-hmm. you know, um, ex-Jehovah's Witness, apostates and others of other groups like Moonies and um, Exclusive Brethren and so on and so on, they get accused of certain things. I think it's important to to talk about this um, this issue. So I, I found a, there's a... Um, a blog article by Eli Spitzer um, and I will put a link to this in the show notes and this is on the forward.com website which um, I think it's a, a Jewish um, a, a website essentially it's, a, it's, it's for the Jewish community um, obviously Eli Spitzer is a well he happens to be a Hasidic Jew um, and he is quite scathing about the show, but his biggest problem seems to be the um, the sex scene where, or the multiple sex scenes where they're trying to have sex, but but she's finding it painful, um, and the fact that they're fully clothed. So mm-hmm. that isn't something that Hasidic Jews do. And I did a bit more research on that, and that is seems to be correct that there is a kind of superstition around that, if you like. So they wouldn't be mm-hmm. doing that fully clothed. They would be doing it naked. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pointed at as being an inaccuracy and um, a way to make this community disgusting and so on. Um, and this is the accusation that the, the, the show and there's quite a lot of ire for the writer here, of the book, uh, Deborah Feldman, um, is basically trying to, you know, smear, um, and I think he calls it a libelous um, attack on mm. on the community. So I'd like to just talk a little bit about that. Obviously, I cannot comment on the, uh, the rightness or wrongness of that particular scene. Mm. Um, my view is that... Um, identifying some elements of a movie, a film, or a book, or whatever, that are not 100% accurate in detail um, is not the point. Mm. Uh, You're always going to find, in any artistic representation of a real-life situation, you're always going to find some things that are done, either for the sake of the story or just to make a point. Um, and apologists for these groups tend to jump onto those s- specifics mm. and say, look, this proves that this is all a load of rubbish. It's not true at all. Mm. Um, so this article is is quite scathing, but actually doesn't address the actual problems about the disempowerment of women, the fact that she can't make her own decisions, you know, that women are not supposed to have education um and all the you know all really important things that are actually being shown in this show um are kind of ignored and actually the one thing that he's worried about is or the main thing he seems to be worried about is 
this practice that is um, is not realistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that has been jumped upon by others who are criticizing the show. So I think that's important to be aware of. Um, and it's something that I've seen. So if you listen to a current Jehovah's Witness talk about the organization, um, if they're like talking about, I don't know, a film like apostasy or even the film that we talked about recently that I know not everybody's seen yet, um, Debutante, but it's it would be easy to spot the odd thing and say, oh yeah, that's that's not right. That's not the way that it happened to me. So the thing to remember is that um, identical experiences in every situation are not going to be the same for everybody. This is the story that somebody experienced and that they've put into some sort of book. Mm-hmm. Also, in a film or a TV show, there will be elements of it that perhaps are done just for effect or just to make sense of something else that's happening. Um, I'll just give you an example of that in in Debutante. I won't give anything away in Debutante because I know not everybody's seen that yet. But there is a scene in it where the elders are talking. Um, It's in a judicial committee. Um, And there's a moment where one of the elders gets up. So it's in the judicial committee. The three elders are there. The, uh, the person's there listening to what the elders have got to say. Uh, at one moment, an elder stands up, goes to the window, looks out the window and thinks about something and then comes and talks. That is just not what would happen in an elders meeting mm. because they wouldn't get up and do that. That's not the way that they behave. However, of course, the reason that's being done is because it, it makes sense in the making of a film. But if you were to look at that and say, well, this is a load of rubbish because an elder wouldn't do that, you're missing the point. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know. I've gone on a bit of a rant there, but I think it it feels to me like, you know, it's easy to criticize for things that, oh, yeah, that wasn't quite right. And this wasn't quite right. And worse still is, well, that's not what I experienced. That Mm. doesn't mean that that's not what other people have experienced. And Mm -hmm. I hear this a lot when, uh, when, people criticize critics of jehovah's witnesses you know um well you know that's not that's not right because i know this person and mm. and they still talk to their son who left the organization you know well that, yes but that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen in other situations yeah you know what i mean um so there's that article and then there's a there's actually in the same on the same website the forward website there is a a counter to that argument by Barbara Regenspan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put the link to that on as well. So there's two articles there. And I will tell, tell you if you're a, a listener going to follow that up, that this forward online magazine allows you to read two articles <laughs> oh, right. before, you're, before you have to subscribe and pay for it. So if you want to read those two, those are the two to read. And then you'll have to pay if you want to read more. But I found that really interesting, this conversation within the community uh, talking about that. And and it just reminded me so much of and the, the sorts sec- of... second article, is is it a rebuttal or is it agreeing? It is a, no, it's a rebuttal. Oh, yeah. okay. And the title of that is Think the Sex in Unorthodox Was Inaccurate? Check Your Male Privilege. Mm. So she kind of throws in that in there as well, which um, obviously uh, is, a, is an extra dimension to it but i think i think you know it's valid what she's saying so yeah read the two make your own mind up but um i thought that was quite an interesting 
little interchange. Again, another thing I found interesting, so I was looking at a lot of like, yeah, the um, sort of Jewish response to uh, an Orthodox and um, like I said, there was people saying, well, it's not like that for me or I'm I'm an Orthodox Jew and it's not like that here. And then there was a few people in the sort of comments saying, yes, but if uh, are you part of that particular community? Because they're even considered... Um, strict amongst orthodox Jewish people do you know what I mean so it's like okay no that's not something that happens in um, all um, Haradi um, Jewish situations Mm. but this is um, this is to the nth degree do you know what I mean like they have you know all these practices and yeah they're doing them yeah as much you know Mm. to the nth where she says about having the mikvah Mm. Um, quite a lot and some people were saying well we're orthodox but we only do it for like these particular special occasions mm. we don't do it every time um, we've finished a, a period or something so mm. do you know what I mean so it's like um, yeah just because it's not happening but, to you but I, yeah and, and I would uh, if I can um, interject to that mm-hmm. point because this is something that I, again I feel quite strongly about um, it's also about how the individual responds to it. So, you know, you may, yeah. you may it's, have a, it's a lens for you to see it through right. Esty's point of view. That's so it. The reason that the mikvah looks so mm. quote unquote unpleasant is mm. not because the mikvah is inherently unpleasant. It's because Esty is finding it unpleasant. That's right. Exactly. That's yeah. why it's not, it's not a documentary. No. Um, even though when you watch films, you don't watch it in point of view. So you, you you still see you know in a third person you know as though there's a fourth wall between you yeah. but ultimately yeah. the point of view is sd the narrative point Absolutely. of view is sd we're seeing it through her eyes mm. um so it is ultimately the story of sd it's not a story yeah. of all but that's um, that's that's not to say that that there's not so, so something fact, we can draw from it yeah you yeah, can and, still and, make questions and, and yeah, have debate and conversation but but my point is that um if, if you are if you happen to be a jewish woman and and like you i've had a look at some youtube channels which are you know nice and i'm I, I, happy to put a link to that on on the show notes uh, of a particular um woman talking about her experience of of, of going through that process the mikvah and mm-hmm. she loved it. She found it really enjoyable yeah. and so on. And that's absolutely fine. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's not some underlying potential problem there that is causing pain for a, a decent amount of people. So what I'm trying to say here is, for me, as a Jehovah's Witness growing up, the things I heard at the meeting frightened me, made me anxious, made me unhappy, made me worry about all sorts of things that, you know, a kid, a child shouldn't be worrying about. Um, And the reason for that was because of the things that I was being taught, the things that I was being told at those meetings. Now, another person might go to the same meeting and actually not respond like that at all, just goes over their head. They're not that sort of person that worries about it. But that doesn't mean that the problem's with me. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that information that was being given inappropriately to a child. So, yeah, sure, there is an individual element to it. I responded in that particular way. But that doesn't mean you say, oh, well, this other person got on fine with it. 
Therefore, well, you're it must into be victim your... blaming. Yeah, you're into victim exactly. blaming, aren't and you? And this is this is the bit that I worry about when when you hear testimonies from people saying, "Well, that wasn't my experience. I really found it enjoyable." Well, maybe you did, but there's some underlying problems that I see that can create a problem, such as uncleanness. Mm. A woman having a period does not make her unclean, in my mm-hmm. view. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole, a lot of this ceremony is around the uncleanness of a woman because she's having a period. Mm. Well, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to sound, come across as, as bigoted and, um, you know, fundamental in my anti-religious viewpoint. But I, I feel like it's right to say, or it's important to say that that attitude can create problems for women in that community Mm -hmm. if you are making women feel that they're dirty because they've had a period or unclean Mm -hmm. um and you know that might open me up to criticism but i i just feel that you know yes some people might not worry about that bit overlook where that comes from doesn't really matter to me i just found the whole experience really spiritual fine but let's not forget what that thing is about and if you're the sort of person that takes that on board then it's going to have an impact on you and how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's I think that's really important to uh, to, to recognise. Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of a couple of other things. I know we're you're coming around for tea tonight, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we carry on talking, um, we're never going to eat. Um, but I did me. I did want to to note a couple of other things, and these are not serious things, I suppose. These are just little character elements so what did you think to Mm. Yale what did you think to her so she's the young Israeli woman in the little group that she got to know yes I suppose she is quite I think she's got her own set of trauma and coping mechanisms is what I would say Mm. so you could easily take a dislike to her Mm -hmm. um but I think the reality is she seems like she's acting like i'm so over it everything's fine Mm. like loads of people like from my country died in the holocaust as well but i'm like Mm. fine and i'm like no you're not you're (laughs) you're not fine you you're lying to yourself do you know what i mean yeah um so in those moments where she's being unpleasant i'm like i will give her some grace here and be like she's Mm. probably these are her coping mechanisms and trauma responses. Do you know what I mean? Because it's still her, there'll be relatives in her living memory that will be talking about what happened and so on. Probably not to the same degree as Esty, but you know. Yeah. And I think the the other thing um, with her is um, actually something that comes out with quite a few of, of the, the characters in that little group is that they're under pressure to perform Mm-hmm. because their parents want them to and yes. so actually um i think there is some recognition that it's not just in these um unorthodox and these high control groups if you like that you see that type of controlling behavior and that type of behavior that makes children or or um young people feel incredible pressure to to achieve and to perform and to follow the the thing that they've um, 
you know they've committed to whether because they wanted to or not i think is a is a question um, yeah. and i think you get that through a couple of the yeah. comments i think that the other thing is obviously you could be quite the way that she talks to Esty when she plays the piano is really awful but she tries to not she doesn't just say you're bad she does yeah. say you know she doesn't try to be purposely awful i don't think and ultimately i guess it does steer Esty on a different mm. path and she chooses yeah. to sing and mm. you know it it mm. probably moves a lot of people to tears when she's mm. singing that song at the mm. end and it was probably the right choice for Esty to change on to singing and she makes that choice but it is very much powered by knowing mm. that piano is not going to do it for her so yeah. as much as it's so awful you're like maybe she is right in that she says what she says she maybe could have had some more tact about it yeah but i guess it to a certain it's always extent. gonna be tough isn't it and yeah. um and yeah i guess better there than um in front of all the um mm-hmm. you know the, the the board so yeah I, I i thought the same um it was brutal it was it was quite unkind but yeah she didn't do it in a nasty way but it was yeah it was it very was bordering on nasty i think yeah was the issue yeah um because esty nearly um quits doesn't mm, she right. so i think if she'd the the mm. it's esty's response to it that managed to like save yale as yes. a character yeah. so the fact that she ends up doing singing makes you go well mm. i guess at, le- at least it led her on the right path but if she had managed to quit and not do what she was going to do you know then you'd be like oh she's awful because she's just ruined her chances of do you know what i mean yeah i agree um and i yeah i i I sort of agree with that um there was um a a little scene that i wanted to bring up because it kind of made me smile in a tragically humorous way um where she was talking to her aunt um about her sex problems um, mm. And she makes some reference to, you know, other other couples have problems as well. You know, they, they go on YouTube. <laughs> mm, yeah. And she, what did you talk about YouTube? And it just made me laugh because obviously you could mm. hear the word YouTube in that um, yeah, conversation, yeah. although you're reading the, uh, mm-hmm, uh, the mm-hmm. subtitles, but it just made me laugh. You know, that their, their whole concept of, of technology was so naive. And well, so, yeah, like Yankee it, when he grabs the phone and he's like, where is Esty? And it's like, that's not how this works. Oh, yeah, when she finally gets onto Google and she's like, she Googles the question, like, is there God? And he's like, starting with the small ones, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, we could could go on, um, I guess. We've, We've really... We've done a, a good job, I think, of talking a good deep about dive. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it's um, really interesting, really good to watch. Um, it, of course, they don't talk about it as a high control group. This is a closed community, I guess you'd describe it as. Um, but I think the parallels are are there, and and you know, how is that not the same thing? And then there's other questions that I think we need to address in another episode about how we talk about religious groups and belief systems that seem to be very alien and very strange and are too easy for us to just dismiss and laugh at. You know, when you're watching somebody with um, curlers in their side bit of their hair um, Mm. and rocking as they're praying, you know, you, you think it's very easy just to dismiss that as ridiculous. But I think we have to remember that a lot of the practices that we 
just get used to will also look pretty ridiculous to to mm-hmm. someone who hasn't seen them before. So I try not to, um, you know, feel that way. But I, I think it's important. How do we talk about religious belief, and how do we how do we criticize um, organizations whilst at the same time uh, giving space people and freedom. space, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, and respect for for their yeah. beliefs and their communities. So mm-hmm. I think we should talk about that. Mm, definitely, but probably not today. Not today. Right, mm. we'll get your stuff on because I'm going to come round and pick you up and we're going to have um, curry and watch a film. Nice. Decent. Right. Cool. Well, so, anyway, that's the end of this week's um, What Should I Think About? Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave a review. We've not had a review in a while. And that's oh, sad. Ages. Breaks my heart. Breaks my the heart. The Apple goes. reviews. Apple mm-hmm. reviews. We need them. Go on. Say something. Write us some words. <laughs> Go on. Cool. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production. 